So, Rashi, uh, um, there's a mess in the kitchen. Uh, yeah, well, I don't really want to discuss it. Well, I'd like to discuss it. I would not like to discuss it. I, I don't think there's anything else to say. We have declared what is happening and what is going on. And let's just leave it at that and everybody stays happy and our relationship stays intact. It looks like somebody tried to make pancake batter, got bored, and threw the rest of the ceiling. Yes, well, mistakes were clearly made. Hi, I'm Paul Dini. This is Misty Lee, and hey, I got a, a, an item today from a um, magic channel that said uh, two people named Lance Burton and Misty Lee committed a crime. What? I what? swear to God. What? Lance Burton and Misty Lee got busted for committing uh, attempted kidnapping. Nice. And they, what are you doing, Misty, no, they, today? <laughs> they show their mugshots, and it's not us. It's hysterical, but a magic website picked it up, and they were like, well, a quick look at the mugshots will tell you it's not them. This is the second wow. time I've been implicated <laughs> in, a, in a news article by name, and it hasn't been me. Like when uh, there was a magician that got arrested a couple years ago for being on meth and running out of a bar with a cash register, and the bar owner's name was Misty Lee. And I'm like, what wow. the hell? Wow. I didn't do any of this. <laughs> that's and great. Isn't it hysterical? Lance Burton and Misty Lee. Matt, Lance Burton and Misty Lee. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I, I tweeted today. I said, man, guys, if Lance Burton and I were going to supervillain team up, we would not get caught. Yeah, really. You know? I mean, come on now. And somebody wrote back, yeah, and you wouldn't need any directions from Mark Ruffalo. Uh, yeah. Like in yeah. Not, was it Now You See Me or whatever yeah. it was? Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty cute. Although that does pose a question. Maybe you guys should team up and knock off a casino and, and put the blame on somebody else. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. Anybody yeah. here, but you know, that yeah, way you could split up Paul the Dini. money. And, and, uh, Some dude named Paul Dini in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, right. That'd be kind of funny. You're like track. Have you guys ever watched that Florida Man feed on yes. Twitter? Oh, yeah. Florida it's Man. It's my favorite. Yeah. It's like Florida Man beats uncle with toilet seat. It's like, why? <laughs> why would you do? What is going on there? Who is this Florida Man? I right, well, there, there are so many of them. So here it is. Yeah. In one of the strangest news items we've run across in a while, defendants in a Vicksburg, Mississippi area kidnapping case include Lance Burton and Misty Lee. <laughs> a quick look at the mugshots, though, confirms that neither Matt King's best pal nor the magic seance queen were involved. According to the MS News Now website, the duo and another defendant without a magician's name kidnapped an elderly man and forced him withdraw money from forced him to withdraw money from his <laughs> bank account. Does sound a little like you. No, <laughs> I wouldn't pick on an old man. I'd pick on a young man who's an idiot. Jeez. Come on now, choose your victims better. Wow. Old men don't have any money; they have fixed income. <laughs> she said, having clearly given this some thought. Yeah. Oh yeah, there you okay. go. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what? We need to move on. Yeah. Okay, talking about super villains. <laughs> So isn't that funny? Yeah, I, I was that. just like Bizarro sent me a note this morning, and he was like, uh, "Go look at iTrix," <laughs> and I was like, "Okay," which is like a for you guys who don't know, you can go to iTrix.com. It's um, it was started, I believe, and I could be wrong because I don't really read it, but Jimmy I think has contributed to it, and I think it was started years ago. Like I said, I could be wrong by Andrew Maine, who's oh. got that show on A and E. Okay. Yeah, so it's that's his site. But it was the the article that I was just that I just read to you wasn't written by him. The crimes were also not committed by him because hmm. Lance Burton and Misty Lee did that. <laughs> Hysterical. Wow. That's so weird. It's like yeah. what really? You know, I mean, there's there's such specific weird names. You know, yeah. like it's there. It's not like I don't know. Like Misty the... Lee is a southern common southern name, but Lance Burton. Yeah. That's, no. That's 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 a, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> 
No, that's a that's a celebrity sounding name. That would be like uh, it does Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, you know, yeah. held up at McDonald's. Not not who you're thinking of. Right. But... It, exactly. It's like it's so specific and strange. Yeah. Yeah. How are you guys? Not bad. Emily's back for the first time in like forever. We haven't seen Emily in about three years. Can yeah. we give her like a nice applause? <laughs> anyway, where have you been? Um, training in MMA. What's that mean? Mixed martial arts. Nice. Nice. Which which ones are in your cocktail? Um, well, I used to do for like ten years. Mm-hmm. Um. Chuck Norris's style. Mm-hmm. And then Chuck right? Chunk Do. Chunk Do, sorry. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Nice, nice, nice. So something happened. There was like some event that was... was oh, the Super Bowl this weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, that happened? That yeah, boring. it did happen. I, I, I heard more uh, events happen, like Philip Seymour Hoffman's death. Oh, that happened, Heck. too. Yeah, oh. that was sad. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that was too bad. It, uh, you, had you ever met him? No, no, unfortunately. I never met him either. He, but he was always one of those really terrific actors. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, there are celebrities and there are kind of, you know, charming actors and guys who straddled uh, TV and, and movies. But he seemed to be like 100% serious movies and serious drama and, yeah. and everything. I always liked him whenever he, he showed up in anything. I always thought it was, I thought it was terrific in The Master. Mm-hmm. It was. That was a really bad movie with really good performances, I thought. Yeah. He, I didn't think the movie was bad, bad. It was just a little draggy. I would have liked to have seen him play, uh, not Citizen Kane, but Orson Welles. Did oh, he no. ever play Welles? I mean, because there was a little bit of Welles, of Latter-day Welles in, in, in the character in The Master. You know, yeah. the, the sort of the impresario, the, the guy who was very charming and yet at the same time kind of lost and unknowable and, and everything. And I guess I guess that's sort of what he was too. That's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but we watched the Super Bowl. Yes, yeah, S- Sunday was a day that was just packed. There was that news. Then there was the Super Bowl, which was a, almost a total wash unless you were, you know, a rabid Seahawks fan. And, I mean, the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos never even showed up. And then after that, we, we went to a comedy show, which was a lot of fun. Yes, Scott Adsit. We haven't mentioned him on the podcast oh, wow. in forever. Our old pal Scott Adsit. Who's in town. in town, and we need to get his ass on yeah. the podcast. I know, I yes. know, I know. He needs to come over here, and uh, uh, him and his girlfriend Sandra have to come oh, over here. I love here her. And uh, she she needs to hang out. Pop to uh, podcast. Let Chit me chat. Know. Be yep. right over. Yeah, I want to hear some. Uh, I want to hear stories of, uh, of of New York improv, of, of what uh, of, of what it's like to. Um, to, to, to be a, a comedian and an I- improv performer in New York City. Yeah, that was always sort of a dream of mine is to, you know, be a comedian in New York. And Why don't you do perform. improv here? You'd be really good at it. You're so funny. Well, I And you know, the thing is, also, beyond being funny, because most of the funny, I think, having being a Second City acolyte, uh-huh. um, most of the funny in improv comes from being honest in right. the moment and being a genuinely connected actor. Uh, you are so honest. You are so present. You are such a good communicator, such a good listener, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're such a good listener, and you are so sympathetic, empathetic, and in the now mm-hmm. that I think you would be an amazing improviser. I, th- uh, improviser. I think the only problem for you, maybe, yeah. and you might be better at a place like I.O., because yeah. at I.O., they all lead into a scene with their head, Right. is writing the scene. Like, you would be sitting there thinking about how it might come out 
instead of just being there and responding to what was just said to you, you would have to fight your proclivity to end the story. That's why that's why I have not done more improv than I have because I went through the the groundlings initial, you know, couple of classes and and a, a few other things here and there and I'm not I'm not a very I'm not quite a giving person all the time in the improv the way that you need to it's yes and and keep building the scene i want to stop i want to rewrite i think of jokes i want to steer it toward the good joke it's like i'm playing hockey and i want to take the joke away from the other guy and slam it into the net for the for the goal or or slam the joke in there for the laugh and so i guess i'm better as either a writer or uh, just a stand-up comedian type guy because i also did some stand-up comedy here and there but see you haven't even tried improv like the groundlings doesn't count because the groundlings is all character work right i i really want you to come to a drop in of dave's right, with me right, i think sure. you'd be i just think you'd be so good at it sure, and, sure. you know it's funny because uh, before our, our oh god i miss him uh our friend mark nelson passed away mm. i was trying to advocate him i was really really pushing him to go take improv because i think for people with Creative hang-ups, self-esteem issues, etc. It is the best elixir. If yeah. you can find a good improv school where it's not competitive and there's not a push to be funny. I mean, like, really, like, the way that Dave runs his classes where it's, like, yeah. a, a genuine connection is fostered and where they encourage you to really say yes and. And it's not just yes because the joke. You know, like, yes joke. It's yes and. So if someone tells you you're a mime... Damn it, you start washing fake windows right now. Like, that's it. Like, everything you say on stage is right in a healthy improv well, you know, that, environment. You know, I mean, it's like everything you say, you feel like there's a safety net. You could say anything can come out of your mouth because no matter what, no matter how ignorant, no matter what a mistake, no matter... And if you screw up a word, you meant to say that. And they, if no matter what they hear, is coming out. So if you said, you know, like... Uh, uh, it, like if I, I keep trying, I'm trying to mess up Barack Obama's name in my head and I can't like, if you said Barack Obanana, mm -hmm. all of a sudden that's the guy's name mm -hmm. and, and it can be funny. It can inform, but we're not going to correct you and say, no, what you meant was Barack Obama. Oh no, no. His name is Barack Obanana and he is the bully in our high school and he yeah. is, you know, whatever he is, whatever you said, that's what we're doing right now. And so it is so good for fostering self-esteem and acting and really getting you to feel comfortable essentially being naked on stage. I, I have said so many times that it changed my life completely as a magician. Well, you know, a lot of cartoonists get into it and it is an invaluable experience for cartoonists or for people who are doing animation to take some sort of improv class, especially when you're doing comedy. And there are a lot... I mean, I've heard, I've heard, you know, I, I've heard from uh, some directors who have the theory like, no, if you can't draw, if you're not the cartoonist, then you, you, you shouldn't even try to tell stories or try to write or anything like that. But no, really, in, when you get in a pitch session, and I know this from years of experience, when you are, especially when you're doing funny cartoons, but an action adventure too, when you are, when you have a premise and uh, there's an idea, people just start throwing jokes in and building on what's there and they don't deny what's going on even if the you know even even if the the structure of the the, the story could stand some work or something though you know i do it all the time you know yeah. like oh and here's another thing and you were doing it today at that meeting yeah that we can't talk about yeah and um 
and uh, and I've done it in the past. And you know, you can it's it's like playing a, a game of tennis, and everybody is hitting the ball. You know, the worst is like when somebody puts the brakes through and they go, "No, what we need to do is blah." That's you know? it. That's the, that is the worst. Well, they used to have these sessions, and the Looney Tune guys they used to call no sessions or yes sessions. I forget. I think it was like you could not say the word no. That's a yes session, and that is fantastic. A yes session. Okay, you can't say the word no and start again. And and, and the I've only actually... way that you can say, you know, like the only, the only, the closest thing to no that's acceptable in a brainstorming session, I think, is what if? Yeah. Instead of no, not no, ever no, it's what if we did this? Because then you're forced to come up with another. Uh, another idea and it keeps ideas going and it keeps brainstorming instead of going that's stupid you don't say anything like that you just go huh well what if we did this and it's it's a new idea on the table instead of a discrediting because as soon as you say that's stupid or you make a judgment or you just say no no is just a brick wall and it stops everything dead and all of a sudden no is so negative and it's uh -huh. so permanent that it stops all forward momentum, whereas what if keeps it going? And it's well, like, also hmm, the story well, will tell if, you, know, you like... the story will tell you where to go, and the story will tell you when it's not working out. Mm -hmm. Because it's sort of like being on the like watching a dog on the trail of an animal, or being in one of those big Sunday comic pages mazes where you're trying to find your way. Mm -hmm. And you'll know soon enough if you go down a tunnel that leads you to a wall because you can double back. So you'll go like, okay, the character goes over here, and then this happens, and then. Stalling out, but let's go back to the stage to blah 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 blah. But you don't, you don't uh, just scrap the whole story mm -hmm. because you know you, you there you can always you, then you do yes, uh, but uh, but what if we do this? So you all the ideas are on the table, they're all out there and they're or all yes working. and yes is and. better than yes but because yes. yes but is kind of a no. Yes, yes and so it's and, what if? Yeah. Oh, what if? What if? What if? Not yes but not no not. You know, because then what, it's sort of, if, it, it, what if is such a safe way to introduce new stuff? Yeah, it's like you've you've got a big. It's like you're panning for gold. You've got exactly. a big thing of there, and then you shake it out, and you keep shaking, and then you'll find. And then it comes up empty, there. so you go, "What if we dip over here? Yeah. Or what if we dip over there?" And it's just so it it really keeps the momentum going. I have found. But uh, yeah, and and improv is also works really good when you are pitching to, you know, a producer or a director or you know some executives or something like that. Then you. Or on your feet, and yep. that way you can... And they ask you stuff. I mean, put, we've been in pitch meetings. Me. I've been in pitch meetings. Yeah. You have. We've been together. Yes. I remember that little dog pitch thing that we took to oh, yeah. uh, Yahoo. Yeah. Um, we had a pitch we took to Yahoo, which I guess their channel never went. But no. they were looking at doing But every time we pitched we Rashi... There, like and that guy was just really all over us. What? Every time we've, we've talked about pitching Rashi and something, like, we, you know, uh -huh. had Rashi talking... You know, Rashi always is like, you know, he thinks on his feet because he's a very distinct personality. And, mm -hmm. Well, he's you know, super easy to improvise in anyway because he's me. Yeah. You just he's let me him unbridled. Yeah. No problem. He's my kid. Yes, that's right. He's your child. <laughs> he's my son. Yeah, he's out in the stables. My alter ego. Yes. Yeah! That's right. <laughs> so, uh... So improv, that was that was fun. I know we're talking and about. And Scott was great. Yes. What the show was, we didn't even tell him what the show was. The show was essentially, oh, what was it called? Gravid Waters. Yeah. And what they do is they give actors, established actors. Then these were no slouches. They had Missy Pyle. They had the chick who plays the mother on How I Met Your Mother. Mm -hmm. They had uh, a dude from some show and another dude from some show. I don't know. But anyway, and then they had improvisers. Yeah. And the actors were given a scene to prepare and memorize from a play. 
And one of them did a scene from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. One of them did a scene from like pounding nails into the floor, the Bogosian pounding nails into the floor with my forehead or something yeah. like that. Uh -huh. And so they were legitimate like three or four page scenes that weren't even necessarily emotionally heightened, but could be. And the improvise, they would say only their lines. You are this character. And the actors were stuck in their script. So they had to wait for a moment to say their next line. And the improviser kind of had to fill in the blanks. They had to create a relationship. They had to make assumptions. They had to respond. Um, and it was kind of fun. I, like it, the actor's nightmare. The, the, yes and no. I mean, the actors were all up to the task. They knew what they were in for. Yeah. You know, it's not like they were blindsided with it. No. So they just had to be ready. And you could see them like waiting because they knew what their next line was. And they were waiting for the improviser to get to a point where it was funny to say what they mm -hmm. had to say next or it made sense. Mm -hmm. And there was one scene and I can't recall what the play was from. But the, the female improviser that was with the guy, they were arguing over. He had been cast as a caddy high school female. And the female improviser got them to a place where, like, it, and it started off immediately. And what was nice was all the scenes that the actor actors were given did establish relationship right away, mm -hmm. you know, which is nice because sometimes in improv, there's a little bit of fishing. If you have like a new yeah. improviser, it's like, so here we are at work. Yup, we're working in the Twinkie factory. Yeah. Yup, this Keep is the part where we put the filling in. Jim, you know, like, yeah. I mean, and, and it's like, that's okay. Here comes your supervisor, Ed the Gorilla. Right. Well, you're introducing a third character, which you're not supposed to do. No, if no. you guys are on stage together, that's which right. is okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, but instead of starting with something like, you ate my sandwich. Really? You know, like, we have a relationship. We've known each other for a long time. You know, like, and one of Tina Fey's tricks, I actually saw her speak live, was to assume a very long history. Like, if somebody starts going into crazy land and they pull a gun in a scene, she'll be like, Bertrand, that's the gun I got you for our 10th anniversary. Put it away. That is supposed to be a cherished memory. You know, like, she'll, well, she wouldn't say put it away, but, you know, like, like, she would, there's that, we are married, we've been married for a very long time, that is a relic, mm -hmm. you know, like shit just got real important. Mm -hmm. And it's a very good skill to have because it's, you can genuinely connect with someone that you really know well. And that's the idea. You want to assume that you know this person well and you have strong feelings for them that are ideally not anger because mm -hmm. new improvisers almost always get mad instead of just getting silly or instead of just getting super honest or, you know, taking some crazy truth some some crazy nonsense as truth, you know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, what Gravid Waters was was these improvisers sort of filling in the blanks, and it was really fun. Mm -hmm. Scott was really good in the Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, yeah. And some of the things that the improvisers did, and this is like improviser tech talk, I guess. I don't know how much is like like everybody knows, and how much is just like because I was in it for so long. But some of the things that they did and that improvisers can do that that makes makes for a really good meaty scene is status. And this girl came out and she was doing the scene from, a, it was Missy Pyle. Mm -hmm. And she was doing the scene from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Just like she was Blanche Devereaux from, you know, which I mean is essentially what that character was on Golden Girls. Mm -hmm. And um, Scott, so Scott immediately started slowing down and taking off his clothes. You know, and so he went dumb because she seemed so high strung and smart. And so just to kind of counteract her energy mm -hmm. and give her somewhere to go. And another thing was their, their scene was essentially about him chasing her and trying to seduce her. So he, the whole goal then, as soon as he gets her near him, the scene's over. 
She needs to keep backing up and he needs to keep chasing in order mm -hmm. to create good drama. You know, because as soon as she meets him in the middle, we're done. Mm -hmm. So he got right up to her and he put his hand in her hair and she was pulling away a little bit and then she turned toward him and he was like, no, 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 no. And he pulled her hair and he pulled her hair back to give her, like, to keep her out of his face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To help her keep the drama going. And I thought, that's a really... Scott is really, really good. And he was in Pinata Full of Bees and he was with Rachel Dratch and Tina Fey and those were his showmates when yeah. he was at Second City. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he's known Tina for years. Tina, Miss Fay or whatever. I don't know. I don't know mm -hmm. her. I've only met her once and she was super nice. Mm -hmm. But um, he's known her for years mm -hmm. and he's known Rachel Dratch for years and they're all like that stuff was like church to them and they were one of the funniest main stagers and the people who were just before them were Dave Rosowski who I was just talking about right. who was in with Steve Carell and Steve, uh, Steve Colbert and Amy mm -hmm. Sedaris. That was, and they were like a troop just a couple years before the guys that I just described. So some really good people have come out of Second City and, it, and it's really just having a basic understanding of we're up here to do a job. Part of our job is to establish a relationship and a game. Mm -hmm. And usually the third line in the thing, you know, like they say something to you, you say something back. The first person responds, oh boy, that just became really important. No matter mm -hmm. how arbitrary, whatever they said was, that's what you hone in on. As long as there's a hook there, as long as there's something, if you're really listening, it becomes the game. Yeah, there is a tremendous sense of play that goes on. And you heighten that third line. Yeah, especially watching watching them perform together. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a while back, I was in New York. And oh, the, yeah, I didn't get to see that show. I'm no, very jealous. But that was the one. Scott and Rachel Dratch. Scott and, uh, Scott and Rachel and, and, and a few more kind of from their, the, mm -hmm, their mm -hmm. uh, improv circle in New York. Yep. And you get the idea that it's just like... You're there to play, so you're slipping on that catcher's mitt you've had for years, and yep. it's just well-oiled, fits fits beautifully, fits and you're like just out there hand. tossing the ball back back and forth. And you got and I had the idea that if uh, Tina Fey or John Lutz or one of the other guys from that they they work with all the time, both on Thirty Rock and in as an improv, yep. had you know walked out on stage, it would just be incorporated into it because yep. they know. It's like it, it's like these guys are trapeze artists with their voices and their bodies. They yep. know exactly how to catch one and and swing well. And the other thing is, everything. is they are completely fearless. So they'll yeah. hang in the air for a minute. Yeah. Rachel Dratch, uh, one of my instructors at Second City, used her as an example because we were working in musicals. When I was at Second City, we used to make up half-hour-long musicals. Mm -hmm. We would take a, a title suggestion from the audience, and I we might have taken a genre. Like it might have been country, but I don't remember even doing that. I think it was just a title. Yeah. And our pianist, Michael, would start to just play and mm -hmm. somebody would come out and start the friggin' overture. I mean, like, boom, someone's on stage singing now. And then the whole cast would join in. We did choreography, all of it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like we were taught how to, to do choreography in a line, how to do a fugue, how to do this, how to, it was crazy. And if you sat and watched it, it had all different kinds of music yeah. in this musical. And it was really fun. And there are tricks to doing it, you know, like really listening and finding a hook and coming up with a chorus. You just got to really listen and you got to really be on board to do anything. But one of the things that they taught us was object work. If you're not doing anything on stage, be a coat rack, be a door, be, well, you can't really be a door, but you know, like whatever, mm -hmm. be, a, be a chair. Like if someone is, is sitting, be their throne. Heighten their status, come up behind them and be the arms of their seat. And you can be in the scene without stealing the scene and giving the improvisers something else to do. 
Because if, if there's a coat rack and you're a coat rack, they can hang things on you. They can, they can push you over. They can do whatever. They, there's like so much. Now they have something to play with. And they were saying that Rachel Dratch was on stage once and decided to assist in a scene by being a table. And she bent at a 90 degree angle and stuck her arms out. And the scene ended up getting really meaty and lasting for 30 minutes. And she never shifted. And then at the very end, they were talking about regretting their choices. And he goes, well, I regret my choices. And she goes, I regret my choices. And Rachel Dresch looked at the audience and said, and I regret my choice. And the place just erupted because she'd been sitting there for 30 fucking minutes as yeah. a table. And that's the only thing she said. She just she waited. She just waited and the place just erupted because wouldn't you? Yeah. I would regret that choice. Yep. yep. Thinking they were going to do a blackout or a cut scene. And it just ended up being this really hysterical. Hysterical. And so I want to ask Scott about that because he was probably on stage for it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So it's just, it's so funny, you know, like some of the things that I learned at Second City coming out and not being afraid to be somebody's chair. Who mm. cares? You're not yeah. wrong. No. You can't be wrong. That's the thing. I used to start because I would get really nervous when we would do the musicals. Quite frequently, people would be like, uh, and they would hang back until they had an idea. Not me. I'd blow open the door and do a somersault out onto the stage and, and start singing. Because if A, you're not afraid anymore. Sometimes I failed the somersault. And then I got a laugh immediately. And it was like, whoa, that chick just fell. Mm -hmm. um, that's out of our system. You know, and, and I can't be wrong. If I start to stutter and stammer, someone else is going to come out and make that stuttering and stammering justified. Yeah. It's that, that, that's their job. It's the easiest job to go first. Like, it's the scariest job, but it's also the easiest because it gives the people backstage a chance to come up with a joke. You know, like, and, and to really step in and really support you and really listen and... Man, I, Paul was laughing, though, because we were there and I was going, ha, 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 like, I haven't improvised in a long time. I, know. I was really missing it. You were like, put me in coach. And I'm ready I was. To, I yeah. was. I was sitting on the edge of my seat like, yeah, 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 yeah no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I was like I listening to their inventories and going, oh, that was a good one. Yeah, 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 that was good. Oh, he ignored her, you know, like, you know, like getting ready to go in. And Paul was like, you're not, you're not in the show. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like but, I was like, but I was really like, ah. But you are in a show coming up, and I'm using that as a way of switching gears. Oh, very gears nice segue, to our, sir. To our to our big topic of it's uh, not our big topic, a it's big just topic, a topic. A topic. It's what's going on? Your show in uh, the Santa, Fe. Santa Fe, Santa Fe, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Thank you for posting my poster, Miss Emily. Oh, I wanted to tell my brothers about it. Oh, thank you. Do they live in Santa Fe? Um, well, they know people up around. It's up north, right? I don't know. There's Albuquerque, <laughs> Santa Fe, know. and Taos. And Taos is up north of Santa Fe, if I recall my New Mexico geography I do not geography know New Mexican correctly. geography whatsoever. I don't even know how I'm going to get there yet. I know that there are a lot of freeways with numbers on them that are between here and there, and it's going to take me between 12 and 17 hours to arrive. Mm. That is all I know. So um, actually, I have to really figure out my route because one of the things that I didn't say, but I can now because I've been on the air, is I got a TV station. Um, and interestingly enough, it's John Chadwick's local news TV station. Swear to God. Hi, John and Laura. Uh, um, WRDQ and uh, W... What do you mean you have FTV. one? Like UHF? We just bought one. Yeah, no, really? no, no. Yeah. No, I booked the voice of the local news. I got a royalty news. check for Tom oh. and Jerry music and we invested it in the <laughs> station. He's just being facetious. Okay. I auditioned for and am the voice of WRDQ, which is a local news station in Florida. Wow. So when they have like a big news story coming up at five... 
That's me. So anyway, they send me like banner ads and stuff during the day. They're called billboards. And they'll say, this such and such update was brought to you by so-and-so. And I just have to lay them down and get them back to them do really you, quickly. Do you get to do any like, be watch 2014? Well, that's like not that. how I speak. Yeah, no, so I, I wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> um, but I did have to, you know, like they'll send me a line and say, hey, we're doing this article. For example, they just did a big expose on uh, women who turned to prostitution outside Disneyland to support their kids. Oh, wow. And so I had to say stuff like, you know, like, what would make these women sell sex on Disney's doorstep? Oh, so, okay. yeah. Those. The teasers. Those. Nice, yeah. Yeah, so, and then they show, like, it's promo work, you know, mm -hmm. so it's like promos. But because it's, I'm the voice of the TV station right now, you know, like, you get, like, a contract that lasts X amount of months, um, then it's, they all fall on you to do and they send me scripts every day wow every day i and i turn on the microphone and do it but i'm gonna have to drive to santa fe to go do these shows which i'm very excited about um mm. after their business hours oh so, because i have to be available that's yeah. my contract yeah. i am home they and might available call you in the middle of the night within an hour they do not call me in the middle of the florida night. man never sleeps well florida man doesn't sleep so but, florida they, man but the reporters the do so okay, they do right. their five o'clock news and I'm, I pretty much do their five o'clock and their billboards. So it's like weather and billboards and billboards meaning they brought to you by yeah. kind of stuff. And I love it. They are so nice and their stories are always really good and interesting. And we're in the middle of sweeps right now, which is when they're really going after new viewership and introducing new ideas. And that's why they put my voice in now because sure. yeah, right. uh, they kind of make their introductions and they're like, this is sort of going to be the flavor for a little while. Mm -hmm. And trying to get new attention and new viewership. Nice. Yeah, so they're going in a different direction. Thanks, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So it's it's been a nuts year. And the show that I have coming up, thank you for mentioning it. And the title is? Uh, Magic and Mystery at the Jean Cocteau. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we've talked about this. Muggsy is just Very this whole thing. Well, let's talk so about we were, the origin of it. Let's yeah, back up Yeah, that's to last, really fun. Last July. Last July let's at Comic-Con. turn Comic -Con. the clock back to last July. Yeah. Last July, I was at Comic-Con for one day because I had to come home to record a Disney ride, which I was then recast on and had a call back at Nickelodeon, which I did not book. That's showbiz. Yeah. But while I was there, Paul yeah. arranged a dinner with Chip Kid, who I love. And Neil Gaiman. Nice. And Paul and me. And yeah. it was just the four of us at a really quiet restaurant, not a fancy place, just a nice, nice restaurant. Just for the few who may oh, not know. I think we heard the just the remnants of the story. Yeah, yes. so I'll tell it quickly. Yeah, yeah. Chip Kidd during, is, is a masterful author and book designer. He's and amazing. And, and Chip is, is an amazing human being. He yes. did the logo for Jurassic Park. Nice. Didn't yeah. know that. And he and I wrote the Batman animated book together. Yes, you did. And yeah. he did Batmanga. Yes, that's right. Manga. And and Neil is a very prolific, very profound author. He is Ooh. a... Oh. Right. Who? He is the, I, I think probably everyone who listens to our podcast... He is the he author is. of the day, I would say. Yeah. like he's, he's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. just a great dude. It's him and J.K. Rowling. And, yeah. and that's... Yeah. And yeah. Everybody else. Yeah. So... And he's just a really... He's just a hell of a nice, very super thoughtful... Guy. Very, very big heart. Very, very good sweet. guy. Yeah. And well, So the four of us are sitting at dinner and this guy comes over and he starts talking to Neil. And Neil introduces everybody around the table. He goes, this is Chip Kidd, this is Paul Dini. And Paul goes, and this is my wife, Misty. And Neil said, who also has a job. Yes. <laughs> and, and he said, Misty's a magician. And this guy said, I need a magician. I've been wanting to do a Magic and Mystery Week. I have a really small theater in Santa Fe. It's like 125 seats. And he said, and I've been wanting to show 
the prestige and maybe desperate acts of magic and is, you know, a couple movies and have the people who scripted the movie speak and have a magician perform at the end of that week. And I said, I would love for that to be me. I had no idea who this guy was. <laughs> so I, I really didn't. He was just a nice a friend of Neil's. So I figured yeah. he was, you know, I figured he probably was a theater owner that came to Comic-Con, maybe a sci-fi dude. I didn't know. <laughs> so we're sitting there talking. I said, I would love to be that person. And he goes, well, do you have a card? And I said, no, I don't. And he goes, well, here, let me give you mine. So he gives me his card, and I look at it, okay, that's nice. And I put it in my purse. I said, I'll email you as soon as I get home. He goes, it'll be great. So he walks away, and Chip Kid slams his hand on the table, and he goes, don't you know who that was? <laughs> and I said, some really nice guy that I'm working for in Santa Fe. And he goes, give me his card. You don't deserve it. I just want to see how it's designed. <laughs> so so I, I look at it, and he goes, that guy created Game of Thrones. That's George R.R. R. Martin. And I said, he's super nice. And Chip said, you've not even seen the show, have you? I said, no. And he was like, Chip was like, you're killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me right now. now oh, you see, my the God. Thing, the, it was amusing for me because I knew right away that, that George was there. So we were, we were at a, a mm -hmm. restaurant. We're at Dobson's, a restaurant we like mm -hmm. in, in, in um, San Diego. They have an, a bar area downstairs and a very nice upstairs. And as soon as I walked upstairs, I saw George, who I had never met before, uh -huh. at, a, at a table also with super, a friend having dinner. Super nice. And I thought, oh, there's George R.R. Martin. And I sat down and I and uh, I thought this will be interesting because he is no doubt very well known to Chip and to Neil. Mm -hmm. especially, and I was presuming especially Neil because they travel in the same you know fantasy circles and everything. So when Neil showed up, you know, he... he uh, he was the last to arrive, so he carries in, hi, how are you? And then when he looks around, it's sort of like, well, George. And then it was like, hello. And, mm -hmm. and I knew it was going to happen. You know, it's sort of like being an impartial, you know, uh, observer, you know, watching, you know, somebody make chemicals and you know there's going to be a reaction, but I didn't want to say anything. And mm -hmm. It was a very fortuitous reaction. And George was very sweet and very nice. He's super and, nice. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, it's kind of crazy because I was, I was like, wow. I have the best life ever. Yeah. Because I was trading emails with George and the guy who created Google Earth, John Hankey, yeah. the other day. Just just in the matter of like an hour and I thought, what is what is what what what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just yeah, like, exactly like why that. are they writing to me? You know, it's just it was really, really cool. I am so lucky. And these people are super nice and of course they're writing because we have things to do, you know, like this is what they do. They do mm -hmm. things, and I'm doing something with them, and we're doing things. But it was just... Now, it's three shows in Santa Fe? Three shows in Santa Fe. Santa Fe, one of my favorite places on earth to, to go. So I, I'm hoping to make it in to, to see your show. I hope you can. I would love to. Yeah. So You're I, not going to be able to eat any of the food down there, but I, I, I it's what? one of my favorite Oh, because it's all Mexican food? It's all Southwestern. But okay. You, you'll, I'll you'll find, find something. They have, they have Frito pie. You like that. Fritos? Yeah. I hate Fritos. You don't like Frito pie? I don't like Fritos. <laughs> well, maybe. Oh, well, you'll, you'll find something. We'll find something. I'm for sure. You. I'll yeah. just take Pop Tarts. There you go. It'll they be have fine. those. That's right. But you'll you'll enjoy Santa Fe. It's it's very. I very think nice. I will. You know, they were the George's assistant uh, was. I had her on the phone and we were talking. They gave me a Skype tour of the theater and you know it's it's just I'm so excited. And she was saying, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to show you where all the beautiful turquoise jewelry makers are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to come home broke. What are you mm -hmm. doing to me, girl? Mm -hmm. But they're so nice and so accommodating. And they're so excited. And they're just, they really have it together. Mm -hmm. And I'm really stoked. And George was like, he said, well, you know, Neil Gaiman and Amanda played here. And they sold out in five minutes. And I said, that's not going to happen. 
these people don't even know who I am, you know? So I did my best. I got them a poster and a video of some things, you know, but I don't so really you have the word out. that much by way of footage. So if you guys can help me get the word out. So I'm you three guys out there listening, spread the word. Oh. To three. That uh, makes me sad. No, no, no. But no. yeah. Kind of that's that's kind of what's happening. But, well, well, but but I'm really excited about the show, and I'm doing I'm bringing some of the seance. I'm gonna do some of the seance while I'm there. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna you know like little bits of introduce them to some of my ghosts and. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, you're bringing your your ghosts with you. I'm I'm gonna bring. Well, we'll see who wants to come. Okay. But I may, I may conjure up some frequent flyers. Oh, all right. Ezra's okay. had it. He's leaving us. <laughs> He's just done, taken off. But so, Paulini, what's going on with you? What's going on with me? Oh, just work and uh, got a ton of things going and um, just... Some very exciting things too. You had a bunch yeah. of secret meetings this week. Yeah. None of which we can talk None about. None of which we can talk about. It's it's, it's that time when, time when people always ask me, what are you doing? And I've got nothing that's that I can present them with and say, here, this is happening now. You have to just look at them and go, I can't say. I can't say. It was okay. like you used to say that uh, Damon Lindelof had something implanted in your head, and if you mentioned anything about the polar bear, or if you mentioned mention anything about, about loss, the polar bear the polar would, bears would come and attack you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because the polar bear is actually funny. kept over in the Disney parking lot, and uh, uh -huh. and uh, if anybody started telling lost secrets, 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 it would Secrets. burst. the The cage would open and it would run over because your brain was linked you. to the polar bears. Yeah. Which, if I had said that about six years ago when the show was ending, and made a joke about it, people would have believed me because at that point you could tell them anything about Lost and they would believe you. And um, you know, the, the the most wildest, outlandish things were were written down as canon. It's, boy, it's amazing. You know what it is? I what swear is to it? God. It's 10 years to the day that I went in, that, that Lost began for me. Really? Because you were out here in February. We hadn't gotten engaged yet. It was like... Have we been together for 10 years? We've been together for 10 years. Oh, we, we should just give up. Yeah, well, <laughs> we did. Uh, oh! No, 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 I did. I gave up. <laughs> yeah, we did. Did you see that? I think I said that last time I was on here. There was a Cyanide and Happiness comic. And the guys, one of the guys is smoking, and his friend says to him, what the hell, man? I thought you gave up for New Year's. And his friend said, I did. I gave up. And they both just kind of cry. And the last panel, it's like, oh. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. You know, it was around, it was around Valentine's Day of 2004 that I went, and, and you were out visiting because you dropped me off over the Disney lot. Yeah. And I went in and met with, uh, I wow. went to the... Alias offices, and I met with JJ and Damon. First with da with Damon, and then JJ, who I hadn't met before, walked in, and and or maybe that was the first time I met him. I don't know. Anyway, we we just started shooting the shit about Lost, about being lost on on a desert island with a monster. They said, "You're it's a desert island, it's the middle of the Pacific, and oh, and there's a monster." And I said, "Well, as probably the only one in this room who's been on a Pacific island with a monster, I I think I'm very qualified to write this show." And they said, "Explain what you mean," and I said. I was on a tiny little island and uh, called Rinka and got chased around by a Komodo dragon. And they said, yeah, probably. Um, I think we might. Yeah, we'll consider. Yeah, I think you've got a good shot at this. Yeah. And I drew a picture of Jingle Bell on the wall and like. And a week later. Right under Earthworm Jim. Yeah. Because uh, they had talked to him about yeah, something. Yeah, that's right. He was working on something Dr. else. Dr. Tanapel came in and he was, yeah, uh, yeah it, was, it was great. So um, Crazy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but it's it's at a, I'm at a point where I'm not really 
where a lot of stuff is brewing and other than what people choose to seek out as far as Spider-Man and Hulk, there's that. Which is huge on Netflix, Court yeah. Lane was saying today. Yeah. Well, Can I just oh, tell you people and, how much I love me some Court Lane? Can Court I tell Lane. you, please? Court Do you Lane's know who of... Court Lane is? He's an executive over at Marvel. He's one of their heads of television over there. Oh, okay, that's what I named him. He is wonderful. That one. A number of times, yeah. yeah. Love him. Really? I love him fiercely so much. He's he's great. Oh my gosh, I love him so. I, my voice cracked. I love him so much. Everybody over there is really great. Jeff They're Love really, is really our, great. Jeff is so nice. Harrison, everybody's really. Yeah, great. Harrison Wilcox is Eugene, awesome. Uh, Eugene's son Eugene is one son, of the greatest Henry men on Gilroy. the planet. So, Henry yeah. Gilroy and I were talking about Houdini via text message all day yeah. today. Yeah. I love these people. Yeah. They yeah. are so nice. You know, like they always say, oh, never meet your heroes. If these guys are your heroes, meet them. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Because they're, they're all, awesome. They're all Joe Casada, amazing. Yep. So nice. So yep. funny. So great. Just so, But Court Lane, mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what. Mm -hmm. He is the bee's knees. Mm -hmm. But he posted a picture today of... Is Muggsy... Because he's snoring. You want me to wake oh, him up? Bees have knees? Be, they do and they are court lane. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he, he's just amazing. He posted a picture of uh, the little Spider-Man crew, the ultimate Spider-Man crew on the disco. Oh, with yeah. The big yeah. heads. I don't know what you oh, call the, them. Oh, the, the minis. Yeah, the minis. Yeah. And he said that uh, ultimate Spider-Man has, I think, 62 million unique views. Wow. That came across his desk today. And like worldwide. Yeah, they're, they're that is it big time. Yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah crazy and on netflix it's like way up at the top downloads and i mean it's just we are so excited yeah mm -hmm. yeah good. glad to hear oh man yeah. well, so great lots of good stuff so happy for these guys it's just super cool yeah. congratulations awesome thank you yeah thank you, you really should be proud i like i like being as jeff just Loeb calls it i am the spice i am the the little the you know we got the show running then we need paul dini as the spice or a little a little pinch of salt that we add to make the show. Or the like, pinch of like sugar in the gravy. What is it? I like sugar in the gravy. Better than salt. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Salt. Because I can get pretty salty. Bath. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, actually, I'm the salt. You're the salty. <laughs> you're the salty. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, Kevin McShane got some photo choices. He did. We did a photo shoot here. Oh yeah. I think it took me two years to get him my choices. It must have been at least two years ago. For you guys mm -hmm. who don't know at home, he's another one we should have on here. Yeah. Fake Stan Lee. Mm -hmm. Kevin McShane is the guy who takes most of my photographs. Yeah. And he's brilliant. He's just... And you've worked with him, Ezra, mm -hmm. all the time on the yeah. web stuff. And he's just... He does our site design. He does everything. He writes for BuzzFeed. I mean, there's nothing this guy doesn't do. And do really, really well. He's good at everything he does. But he did a photo shoot of Princess Magic two or three years ago. And some of them are like the the d shot from the doors, you know, like where what's his name's got his arms out and he's like looking at the camera with his shirt off. Like they're really bad. They're okay. really like like. And what I did, I'm not even gonna say what the dumpster shots were. He took some dumpster shots. Okay, I was gonna oh, ask yeah. you if those were involved. Of Princess Magic, and yeah. yes, and I finally got him my picks, oh, and he's yeah. working on them this weekend. He said, oh, that's so awesome. I can't wait. I finally got PrincessMagic.com. Okay, After yeah. all these years, I haven't put anything on it yet, mm -hmm. but it's I own it now, and it's been nice. forever, and it took me a long time to get it because it was up. Like I had to wait for it to come up for auction. Yeah. So it finally did, and and I got it for cheap. You know, I mean, whoever had it didn't care. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. but it's it, I'm really excited about her, and I'm gonna start working on her as soon as I get oh, home she's from awesome. Santa Fe. Yeah. I just got a new trick where she puts a cigarette behind her ear, and her hair catches fire. Oh, awesome! <laughs> it's so it's not exactly a trick. It actually. <laughs> 
Uh, right. That's how it works. The trick is me putting out the fire. Right. The the trick is the fire extinguisher. The trick is not burning myself. Yeah. No, you have no problem with that. Yeah. (laughs) But it's hysterical. And there's, there's a, um, at the top of Nightmare Alley, there's a really great monologue about how man gazes into the glass and sees the spirits of before. And he's looking into a liquor bottle. Yeah. And I just thought, yep, we're doing that. That's going to be her crystal ball. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I'm so excited about so many things that are happening right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's doing great. And you guys are okay? Yeah. You guys yeah. got a big event coming up. Can we talk about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Finally? Yeah. We're going to finally talk about you getting married? Yes, indeed. Oh, my God. Awesome. It's getting stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really? We just put together the cards, which you were with. They're beautiful. You're one of the first uh, people. And they smell one good. One of the first. Did you know they smell good? Did you do that on purpose, or had it just been in your jacket and you I smell good? I just printed it. Well, you it's smell just, good then. It's just ink smell. It's no, no, smell. it's not ink. <laughs> it's tasty ink. It's not ink, it's Emily. Okay, it's Emily it then. smells... Okay. <laughs> Olfacta. <laughs> Olfacta strikes again. Olfacta, yeah. yeah. That, you know what that is. That is me. Yeah. That's my superpower. Like Huh? I must smell like printer. You no, you don't smell like ink. You smell really pretty. It's like a pretty girl smell. I don't have a pretty girl well, smell. Well, maybe it's me. Yeah, you do. Is it you? <laughs> yeah, you, you smell do. like a pretty girl. So you much. are a pretty girl. I, I really am. You are. You are very pretty. <laughs> I've Baldini always thought smell. so. You always say very attractive people in my living room tonight. You say you smell like Paulini. You do smell like Paulini. Yeah. The first time I ever I ever walked into your house when you were living up in the hills. Yeah. It had a very specific, and your BMW smells like you. But it's a nice smell, isn't it? Of course it is. If it wasn't nice, I couldn't have married you. That's right. If you you stunk. You smell nice. Thank you. Yeah. So, but yeah, you've got a very specific Paul Dini smell. And every once in a while, like when I've been away for a couple days, I'll come home and go, smells like Paul Dini in here. (laughs) Just because he's been around the house, you know? And I can't really explain it. It's just, you know, yeah, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes people just have a smell. My roommate in college smelled like downy fabric softener. Even when she wasn't using it, she just did. Wow. She used to put R's and L's on her socks. Oh my. I swear. Hand of sky. Oh wow. my. Horrid. Yeah. Ugh. She, <laughs> she failed out of the child development program at Michigan State University. And I was like, do you not know how babies are made? I remember coming home very excited and jazzed from a political science class. And I wanted to talk to her about John Locke. And I walked in and I said, okay, John Locke. State of nature, state of war, state of peace. And she said, did I, did, did I leave my key in the door? Because she heard the word lock. Wow. And I said, oh, I'm going to go to dinner. <laughs> and she used to sing to her peas, which I would be okay with. Like, I, I sing to food all the time. I do weird she stuff. She used to sing to the peas she was making and eating or peas she was growing? What? She no, no. Sing- she used to sing when she would get peas up in the cafeteria. She would sing to them little songs. Okay. Which I, like I said, I would totally be down with that if she wasn't stupid. She was stupid. Was she was a stupid she person. She needed to finish the song before she could eat them? Did she, the I don't remember because I think I peas? only sat with her okay. once or twice in college. Well, was she yeah. saying like peace porridge hot? Peace no, I don't porridge. remember. I only remember oh. being disturbed by her. And you would think I would love that stuff, but she rubbed me wrong. Peace porridge, is that split pea soup? People who sing at dinner kind of kind of weird me out. I mean, we it, sing things at dinner sometimes, but it's organic. It's not like, it doesn't just, I don't, I don't know. I, there's an okay and a not okay way to sing to your food. 
Yeah. And that was a not okay way. And there's an okay and a not okay way to sing at the table. Right. If everybody's around and they're singing and there's fun, that's right. Yes, if but you're if you're sitting dinner, there all alone, when you're alone, what, why are you singing to your food? Yeah. She never had an answer. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember. It's been so long, and I hated her so much. Oh well. <laughs> I usually hate my roommates. I'm amazed you're not dead yet. I draw your chalk outline at least once a day, though, with my finger. I've seen the voodoo dolls. You have seen the voodoo. Yeah, but they're not you. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <admit>. No. <laughs> no, you're a good boy. You haven't done anything to warrant negative energy like that. No, not you really. You just love everybody. I do. You do. I You're all to. right. And I know you really well. Mm -hmm. I know you better. Our therapist on Monday was trying to get me to be a life coach. Okay. Because she was listening to me handle him. Because mm -hmm. he was at a 10. Mm -hmm. And I was talking him back down to earth and saying, now what I think it is, is you're putting undue pressure on yourself because you've decided that there is no time. I said, but there is time. I said, there's time to do everything you want to do. You actually have the rest of your life. And I said, if you remember, I actually used the podcast when Max was on here mm -hmm. as an example. Because I wake up like that. I think everybody kind of does. You just wake up in a cold sweat and you're like, oh my God, you know, like, what have I done with my life? Nothing. Ah, who am I? I'm nothing. I'm a piece of crap. I don't know. Maybe that's just a Paul Dini and Misty Lee thing. Because I wake up like that at least once a week. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that brings me back down to earth and one of the things that I was talking to Paul about was when Max was here. Mm -hmm. And I said, what words of wisdom would you have for a young magician? And he said, take your time. There is no rush. Just let things unfold. Because they will. And they will unfold in a way, and I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said, they will unfold in a way that you could not have foreseen happening. Mm -hmm. And they will unfold when you are ready. Yeah. And I think about me personally, and this is the examples that I used in therapy. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have seen the seance coming. I will tell you the very first time I ever walked into the Magic Castle, I saw Leo come out of the seance room and said, I want to do that. <laughs> and our friend Mark Nelson, whom I mentioned before, said, that guy's been doing that 30 years and they ain't hiring sister. Sorry. Mm. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Give me a while. Yep. I had no idea we were going to move onto the street that the guy who's the right-hand man of the guy who created that show lives on. Yeah. I had no idea I was going to end up teaching London his daughter magic. I had no idea she was going to tell her dad about me and he was going to say, let's get some new blood in here. Mm -hmm. Why don't you come in? I had no idea I was going to meet Milt Larson that night, who I, dumped, you know, who I dumped things on an accident at the Magic Castle I get mouthy with all the time, who I know really well now. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that stuff was coming and I wasn't ready for it to mm -hmm. moments before it happened. Yeah. It took Second City. I had to have Second City in me in order to execute that job. Mm -hmm. And it took me getting back to being who I was because I've always been, I've always liked finger bones and weird macabre stuff, but I forgot that when I moved here, trying to make everybody around me happy because everyone was like, oh, Paul Dini married Zatanna. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll be Zatanna then. No. And it no. took me all that time to go, I'm not Zatanna. No. I'm Misty Lee. Yeah, that's right. And she, I'm, I'm kind of weird and you guys are going to have to deal with that, you know? And it's, it's really interesting because instead of, being compared to Satana, somebody drew me into the spirit as myself. Thank yeah. you, Sergio Aragones and Mark right. Evanier, because that's awesome. He goes to see his friend, magician Misty Lee, who does not look a thing like Satana in that no, book. No. She looks like me. Yeah. That's cool. You are cool. infinitely better than Satana. Satana is a cutout of a magician. Not the way you write her. I think you write her really well. Now, granted, a lot of the things she said 
in books you've mm-hmm. written have come out of my mouth. So then she's yes. more you than you are her. Yep. Now, yeah. because of Paul Dini, yes, yeah. I would absolutely say that because when he writes her, he sees he's, some of her frustrations are mine, some of her yeah. opinions are mine. So she makes reference to Di Vernon in Bloodspell, mm-hmm. and that's a reference that I said. You know what? Actually, this is, you know, this this thing you're referring to here. You actually can lend it a little more credit if you just have her tell the real story. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> she attributes it to Houdini, though, but you know. Or, well, no, or, it was it was Diverna. Oh, was oh the no, man no, Zatara takes credit for it, though. Oh yeah, that's a spoiler. But uh, yeah. uh, but no, yeah. yeah, if you were you're 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 you know. But we, yeah, I mean, like it's you're a great resource, and and you contribute so much to that, and that it it galvanizes well, my feeling about her in a way that I... It, well, but she's a different character and she's someone that you knew. She's a character you intimately knew in all of her worlds and all of her realms long before I came along and she certainly was established long before me. But when I came out here, I tried to be like her and I'm not. No. I'm different. You know, like the things that I like, the things that I do, you know, like I can't say things backwards and do my magic. Mm-hmm. I have to have practical stage magic knowledge because I'm not a superhero. See the thing I, about unless I'm smelling things, in which case my gifts are yeah. unparalleled. See the thing about Zatanna that like, makes her easy for me to write, or the thing that I always found attractive about her personality, isn't so much the magic as the fact that she is a performer, celebrity, show business person. Yep. And there's nobody really like that in in um, comics. There or, there, or if there are, there are very few of them. There, none of them are coming to mind. That nobody who's out there. There are a lot of people with secret identities, but she's the only one who's out there as a performer. And growing up with a strong show business element in my family and seeing how that influenced the psyche of performers and the people around them, putting somebody like that in a superhero role is mm-hmm. interesting to me about mm-hmm. somebody who has to juggle being one person out in front of people as a celebrity personality and then another one as a superhero and how their ego stays in check when... It's one thing when you're out there in front of people and fans and, and, and you're doing what you do. It's another thing, how do you rein your ego in when you're next to Superman and Wonder Woman? And how do you find your place to fit in and what does that, that do to you? And some of those things I've explored, some of those things I want to explore. And compared to most of yours, she doesn't have a secret identity. She's going as herself all the time. Yeah, it would just be like any celebrity. Yeah. You know, you pick a celebrity, just happens to be hanging out with the Justice League. Yeah. And there's an element of that in the... Um, the, uh, the the book I have coming out, the blood spell blood book. Blood spell, yeah, absolutely. She it, Black Canary calls her on it. Yeah, and uh, and 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 that actually comes in handy when they have to go undercover because she's able to you know trade on her on her role both as a celebrity and as a, her- a hero to sort of get close to uh, someone who's causing a problem. But uh, you know, I saw the bonus material for for that. It looks and great. Everything, all of congratulations. Joe, all, all of Joe's uh, uh, Canonis's. Uh, uh, sketches on uh, the, the the character models and everything it just looks really great and the end mm-hmm. of may man that's coming out that's going to be great it, it really is congratulations in yeah. advance you know what i love you've always been a, a very strong advocate for more female superheroes that are really well written and it's not uh-huh. just about tna it's really about being a solid human and i think that you write that very well and i think that you have really put your money where your mouth is with this one they do not need dudes mm-hmm. to solve their problem. They use them when they're useful, you know, right. like just like a man would use any other resource. Uh-huh. You know, like they, they use yeah. resource human resources around them. 
but it's these these chicks are doing it on their own. Mm -hmm. They're perfectly fine. They're within their realms of expertise, and they are superheroes. And I really think you've, like I said, put your money where your mouth is with this story, and I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. I mean, I like I like all characters, and I like writing male characters, and I like writing female characters. And then when I see somebody write, you know, really terrific characters, like you know. David Lapham, who's a friend of mine, uh, who did uh, Stray Bullets yeah. and is a wonderful writer and artist. Yeah, he's he, really he writes some of the best female characters ever. I mean, you uh -huh. know. Why? why do you, I, I agree, but why do you like they're them? They're tough, they're gritty, and they don't, and, and you know, they're, they're out for themselves as doers and survivors first and, and women kind of second. You know, mm -hmm. there's they're, they're something that's intrinsically captivating about their personalities and their motivations that make them interesting as people. And the fact that they're women is just, you know, secondary adds to, to the people. You yeah, know, and you can say the same thing for the Hernandez brothers, and there's so many good. Greg you know, Rucka, I believe, has that quality too. Who's that? Greg, Greg Rucka. Rucka. Greg Rucka, yeah. yeah. Greg Rucka, absolutely. Uh, Bendis, Brian yeah. Bendis. You know, Michael and then uh, and there are all these all these terrific writers, and so when you when you read great writers mm -hmm. like like that Ed, Ed Brubaker's another one, uh, and Greg Rucka, Greg Rucka took. I'm glad you mentioned him. He's, yeah. He took Renee Montoya, who was a character that I created oh, yeah. for the Batman animated series, and was never able to do a lot with, and then just turned her into a completely different character, but a really terrific character. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, fantastic. Lots of depth in the. I, yeah, I love her story and her character. Here's a little secret about Renee Montoya that I, you know, and, and you know, Greg took her in ways that she's never going to change back. But no. uh, and, and and it's great because we weren't able to do what I wanted to do with her on the series. As I wanted to make her um, a, uh, a a romance a romance uh, interest for Bruce Wayne because I thought for one thing it would be interesting. I, for he's never gone out with a girl like that, a girl who had a job and who was working and who was on that level of the law as a first as a basic beat cop and then somebody who was uh, promoted to detective, but also somebody who I wanted to do this whole thing with Renee where she had lost a member of her family to crime and she didn't have the resources to do anything about it oh, other wow. than become a cop. Yeah. And then she met Bruce Wayne who's able to fight crime in the sort of fantasy way. And I really wanted them to link up as a couple and have something going on there. But I was never able to, to, to devote that much time to her and never really able to, to, to develop her as a character and, you know, different aspects moved on. So, uh, you know, the show moved on. And so that was an idea that unfortunately got abandoned. But then Greg resurrected the character and yeah. turned her into a completely different character, but a, a much better character, yeah. I think. So Yeah, and especially when they started to delve into that, the question... Yes, uh, personality with her. I thought that was very well done. Yeah, and her whole relationship with Kathy Kane and yeah. all that's that's really interesting. So you know, I'd rather have a character flower under somebody else than you know me hang on to them and just have them stagnate. So you know, it's it's much it's much better. As long as we're talking about fan things, how about we take a few? Questions? Do you have some questions there. I do. Boop, 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 boop. Questions from the fans. <laughs> I like that thing you made. Thank you. Yeah. We shall punch them up, and I have them Don't on my... Don't punch the fans. Don't punch the fans. Wait to Comic-Con for that. Uh, <laughs> and then oh, I'll punch them, and then you can kneecap You know, them. we actually had a moment in the house, because I had to register for my badge. Yeah. And uh, I didn't get my guest 
thing because yeah, I logged you're on. You're one of the people. Ten, huh? ten, yeah. Damn. Did not. Did you guys get yeah, one? Yeah, we got one. You so bastards! I can go. I was <laughs> you can go. Yeah. I was over at Marvel today with a room full of artists and writers, none of whom got pro passes. Wow. All of whom were at work. Yeah. And who had to? Who missed that? You know. 10 o'clock to 10.03 little window where you yeah. can actually get a, a, a pass for yourself. So none of them are going, at this point, I'm none of them sure are I'm pretty sure Marvel to, could get them. I think they, they might be able to rustle up a With few With their things. booth. I, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like you. Yeah. Like Paul logged on and it said, I'm sorry, you are unable to, your your Comic-Con ID is unable to get a pro a pro badge and I said, well, uh, and he kind of smiled at me and opened his wallet and pulled his little black I have an ink pot lifetime admission past the con. I don't care card. Oh, yeah, the I don't care yeah. card. Yeah. And I was like, don't. You know, like they the disabled him. Allows, it allows you it gives you a lifetime pass to Comic Con. Wow. <laughs> so you can get in, you can actually get a guest in with you. So nice. you could take Keller, whoever, yeah. Pete. But it's, yeah. it's like, Last year, I got the Inkpot Award, and I still have to write a nice letter to the Inkpot Committee to thank them because I was very, very touched about yeah, it. You know, and, I, and um, but it also, uh, you know, I, I'm also thinking about this year Comic Con. It's something like I don't want to go to Comic Con. I've already got the Inkpot, so give me the. Anyway, I'm going to ask here. you the questions because they're all for you. Give them here. Okay. <laughs> You're going to ask yourself and answer no, the questions. Here we go. Captain Monopoly. Hey, you guys want a bowl full of marshmallows? I have cereal marshmallows in the cupboard again. Remember those? <laughs> no? Not this time. All right. Well, I'll eat them. Okay. It's like your teeth were falling out. Oh, they were so good, though. Hi, dude. Oh, too soon. All right. Which hero would you have liked to have included in the Batman the Animated Series aside from Superman? Enemy Ace. We actually oh, had how's an, that? We had an Enemy yeah. Ace story ready to go. Enemy oh. Ace is great. Enemy Ace was, a, he's a really good character. He's created by, Joe, I don't know if he's created by Joe Kubert, but he did a lot of the best stories with him. He kind was like a, a Red Baron character. Yeah, he was a Red Baron in World War One, and he had, it was great. It was a war book, and he was very conflicted. He was uh, uh, Baron Von Hammer, and he uh, he was a, a good man and a just man, but he had to fight on the side of the Kaiser, and so, and, the, and the stories were just beautiful about him. So we actually yeah. had a Raja Ghoul Fights enemy a story. Wow. Yeah, it would have been really awesome. Nice. We actually, there, Warners was actually able to get him into Brave and the Bold. Enemy Ace did show up. In Brave yeah, Brave. I saw so, that. That's I, cool. And that, didn't he make an appearance in the Justice League series too, right? In one of the back in time ones where they had like Sergeant Ross. Most likely because we always love us some yeah. Enemy Ace. We yeah. wanted to do Enemy Ace. Nerds. Yeah. I love it. So that was asked by Tahari. Okay. And now we have Eli Ifford asking uh, Pure Athlete 89 after, oh, this isn't a question. This is more of a, a laudatory statement. After listening to that Kevin Smith and Paul Dini, I would kill for their shadow of the Bat TV show to happen. I hope one day it does. So uh, you have that so, in your pouch. Uh, so, we, so would we. We, were, we would hope that would happen. It's a long shot, but. Yeah, well. Thank you. All right. Matthew Curley, MP yeah. Curley 15. Hi, Matthew. Uh, what's the story behind your involvement on the new Maleficent movie? How did you get involved in any other live action plans? We're going to skip that because that's a Dini. Uh, I can't answer. I can answer that to a point. That is a Disney issue, uh -huh. and uh, that's really all I can say. Yeah, about. we covered it on many episodes. What? Yeah. yeah, but my official statement on that is no statement. Yeah, uh, Lysandra Silber. Not a question, but here, Paul Dini, I have a fan art. I swear this is not the only comic. You'll have to look at that later. Uh -huh. uh, well, actually, you can look at it now. Here. It is a... Oh, 
What is it? I oh, like nice. It. And it's really good. That's a, that's the young lady who dressed up as Ida Red at Comic-Con. She did a oh, good job. Oh, yes. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. I got a picture of her for that. I, I have to revive. It's on her Facebook, actually. Yes. I have oh, to revive. Well, she's got a drawing here. So, okay, yeah. So, I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah. Uh, Stingray Travel. Stingray okay. asks, mm-hmm. what's your favorite and least favorite Star Trek episodes from any of the series? Also, have you ever experienced Star Trek Vegas? Yes, I did. I did go to the the Star Trek experience in Las Vegas. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I got to look around the museum and everything. I, I just have to be in Las Vegas when it was up and running, and I went over to it and I and I saw the show, and it was it was great. I, I loved Quark's it. Bar. Yeah, yeah, Quark's Bar and everything. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, my favorite episode. I, I don't know uh, if if I had to pick an all time favorite episode of Star Trek, it would probably be the Man Trap or the Devil in the Dark. Um, I like any one that had creature working it by Janos Prochaska. Mm-hmm. I love a private little war, even though the story stinks and is awful. But I love the Mugatu, and I'm, it's my biggest regret that the Mugatu has not made it into any of the later day Star Trek movies. Look, you got Rick Baker sitting there, the guy who makes the best gorilla suits ever. Why not turn him loose and have him do his version of the Mugatu and make it look like kind of a little more of like a real animal, but still make it basically a white gorilla with spines on it. You know, why don't we hire Rick Baker and do our own version of Bigfoot? Um, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, Chad. Oh, least favorite episode of Star Trek? Uh, the Omega Glory. All right. I hated the, the Omega Glory because it was. You know why? Because that was the one they made the, the Viewmaster reel set out of. And there, was, and there were so many better episodes. And I'm watching something that has very, almost nothing to do with space. It's them running around. and It's, 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 just, it's just bad. I mean, All right. So Chad Morotic, yeah. uh, Dr. Skeletoid, would like to know, what, I guess this is for everyone. What does everyone do to keep up their chops in their respective fields? I'll answer first. I go to the Magic Castle, I watch magic, I do magic, and then as far as voiceover goes, I listen, I imitate, and I love all of those things. And I listen to animals and make the sounds they make. Y'all? Emily, you want to go next? Sure. I read comics. I look at color everywhere. Every time I go for a hike, every time I'm just looking outside and I see the way the sun hits a certain light. Yeah, she she mentions it all the time. She's like, oh, it's doing this thing where it's going like this. Oh, it's fascinating. Ezra? Um, well, uh, I do this, which helps me a great deal keep uh, 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 my chops up. I also keep uh, uh, ties with a rehearsal studio where I can do some live mixing, so I keep those chops up because I feel that's very important to sound design, being able to live mix. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly watching and viewing things and dissecting them because uh, it's fascinating. Dini? I'll watch... Things that I loved as a kid and go back and watch them and usually I have the same amount of enthusiasm and love for them and I try to always keep that spirit alive. I look at new things that I like, you know, uh, that I like just as well. I always try and remember what it was that I loved about either performing or, or writing or cartoons that drove, drove me to the first place. I had a meeting today where I walked into somebody's office. It was festooned with art and there's always that moment where I just zone. You know, because it's so damn beautiful and it's so engaging and it's so wonderful. I just, it's like, it's like the windows open and ocean breezes come in and they just, Mm -hmm. you just let it wash all over you. It's like, 
It's like Willy Wonka, you know, showing them in the chocolate room. Stop, look around, take a moment. And, you know, that, that, that keeps me going. All right. Tec- and Misty, you. I already did it. Yes. I already answered. Uh, Techni Miyoko, or Neo Techni, yes. asks you, can you get them to make a Batman Beyond game? Arkham City is old hat. Uh, I'm no longer involved with, uh, I'm not involved anymore, uh, presently with the game division. WBIE. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's not my, uh, that's my job. That's not my job currently. You know, you never say never, but uh, who knows? Uh, Mike Zug, yep. or Mike Zug01, wants to know, I thought you might enjoy this. I could be wrong. And he sent you this, which is a cute I like cover that. of an old-looking Batman with a Harley Quinn on it. I love that. That was really good. Brookie, or Lenka Kitten, mm-hmm. says, What origin did you want for your Selena Kyle? Her line, remind me to thank Mama for the music lessons, always stood out to me. Um... Typical bat- Catwoman origin? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we never really got into that too much. She, she just sort of always was Catwoman. You know? Okay. So you just accepted her origin as it was written. Yeah, I think I probably would have gotten some some sort of amalgam of having the sister who was the nun and then Selena being the girl who had gone wrong and gone to the streets. You know, sort of an amalgam of the nun sister and the Frank Miller dark and gritty. Um, uh, Selena has not had an easy road. Okay, uh, Lanka Kitten also has another question. Yeah, uh, she's got several here. Why isn't Mutant Texas on Comicsology? That's a good question. Jingle Bell's on there. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if the Oni Press stuff is on there. I'd have to check, and maybe that's worth a call to Oni Press. Maybe yeah. we should call them up and say, "Is there any way to get that out on That'd there?" That'd be great. Yeah. All right. Her next one is: You must get lots of fan mail. What made Misty stand out? Oh. Um. <laughs> How did I get so lucky? She wants to know. <laughs> she was honest and direct and honest and direct and funny and open. And it was just unlike any letter I'd ever received before or since. It was just a big, warm, hi, hello, I love this. And 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 that's it. And ah, that made I me didn't wanna, want anything. Yeah. I really didn't want anything no, from you uh-uh. just to tell you you did a good job. That's yeah. probably what made me stand out. Well, it's like... Some of the fan mail that you get is, I love what you do and I want to do it too. And right. I will say that your fan mail specifically, and I don't mean to answer the yeah. question for you, but I think the short answer, and at least what I heard you say was, she didn't want anything. She was just there. It was just a compliment. Most of the people that write you fan letters do want something. You did in print what you... For me, what you do in person to a lot of other people I've seen when you interact with them. Like, we'll go someplace and you'll just greet someone with a cheery smile and they'll just open up. Or you'll take that little bit of interest or you'll just make this kind of just connection with somebody. And then I've just seen the person respond and beam. And you had that effect in in the writing. It just made me want to respond. Oh, that's nice. She also wants to know how you met Kevin. Kevin Smith. How'd you meet that Kevin Smith? Uh, we were both scoring weed at the same time. No, you weren't. <laughs> no, you were not. Uh, no, we weren't. <laughs> it's uh, no. Uh, how did I meet Kevin? It um, here's the, here's the, the Kevin Smith story. I had I was eating brunch on a Sunday, and, and this is not how we met, but it was twenty years ago. I guess I was eating brunch on a Sunday and go and looking through. Um, the LA Weekly and I was having some meal somewhere that I was enjoying by myself and there was a review of Clerks which had just opened that week 
at one theater in LA and they were talking about how goddamn funny it was and fresh and original. And I thought that sounds really interesting. And it was over at the Lemley Theater on Sunset. And, and then I went over there. There was a big uh, Virgin Megastore there. So I went over there to buy some records. And I noticed that Clerks is playing there. It's got kind of a cool poster. And it starts in 20 minutes. And I go, oh, it's a thing I read about. It's playing. I got nowhere to be. And I went in and I saw the movie. I laughed my <laughs> off. I thought it was great. And I thought he was funny. And I thought the movie was really cool. And I thought this guy is something special. He's really funny. He's really in tune. And i never seen anybody that knowing. Everybody has made Star Wars references here and there. But this guy really had the knack down. And I thought, what a funny movie. And, you know, that sits by itself for a couple of years. Then I, I read some profile about him, I guess when they were making Mall Rats or something, you know, a couple of years later. They show a photo of him sitting at home and on his kitchen table with all his breakfast stuff are VHS copies of all the Batman episodes. And I go, wow. this guy is not only a geek of the first order, he likes my stuff, and he loves Batman, loves yeah. Batman in all forms. I'd like to meet this guy. Well, a year or two after that, my good friend David Mandel, who's working on Seinfeld. Who's awesome. Who's awesome, and so we got to get nice. him on the, the show here, too. Yeah. He's worked on SNL, on Seinfeld. He's worked with Larry David on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's directed a couple of pictures. He's, He's amazing. Just wonderful. He's brilliant. He was doing the Clerks animated series with Kevin Smith. I happen to be in New York. David's going over to Red Bank to talk to Kevin about something. He says, you want to tag along? I say, absolutely. We go over. Kevin comes in. He's walking his dog. We sit down. We go have a meal. And it's just sort of like, nice to meet you. I'm sure we'll talk again. What a great guy. And that, that was that. So, that was a really so, long way to just, say our friend David Mandel introduced me. <laughs> just giving it a little dazzle. Shazam! Before or after he named one of his kids after a fictitious character you made up? No, I found out about that afterwards that he was... No, we had, we had met and, and, and then he was, you know, Harley Quinn. But, but very soon after that, Harley Quinn arrived. And, uh, yeah. Doug Palumbo wants to know, Yes. Is it satisfying to know your work has crossed generations? I watch your work with my two boys and love it now more than ever. That's How do you feel about that? Does it make you feel old or does it make you feel proud? <laughs> no, it makes me feel lucky and grateful. Oh, that's a great answer. It makes me feel infinitely grateful. <laughs> you should. You have a lot of things to be grateful for. Yeah. But you're also really good at what you do. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brandon Aravina wants to know, Are yeah. you working on the next Batman game or do you know anything about it? Uh, no, no you no. wee bastard. No, no sorry. <laughs> sorry, Brandon. I don't really think you're a bastard. Sorry, but he's not. No, he's not he kind of looks like you a little bit. Uh, oh. I don't. We. I don't know. I don't know what they're. Nobody knows what they're doing over there. Mm -hmm. um, Rich Uncle Skeleton. Oh, hi, Cole. Cole yeah. Rothacker. Yeah. Uh, says I would love to hear more about the Catwoman animated series that's mentioned briefly in the Batman animated book. Uh, that was. A, oh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I guess I could talk about that now. We, uh, Bruce and I had put together an idea for a Catman, a Catwoman, not Catman, Catwoman series, which was sort of like Selena Kyle, Thief for Hire, where she was traveling all over the world and she had agents that she met here and there who, who she checked in with around the world who were loyal to her and she traveled with a small group of folks and she was sort of like a Robin Hood character, yeah. as, as I recall it. It would have been fun to do that, you know, just take her out of Gotham, put her... Yeah. On the move around the world, more of a of a crime, thriller, action type thing than a superhero thing, as okay. I recall. All right, that sounds good. Yeah. So Zach Parks, we're going to defer to Disney, but here it comes. How what? come you're not credited on credited on the latest Maleficent trailer? 
Should I tell Maleficent's nope. story? Nope. Nope. If they really want to hear it, there's an episode that covers as much as you were able yep. to speak about. Yep. Okay. Yeah. The, ask Disney. My, ask Disney. My uh, Jesus yeah. Vega yeah. wants yeah. to know. I don't mean to be unpleasant about it, but that's lawyer's orders. Yeah. Uh, Paul Dini, why do cows go moo? Because they don't say arf. Thank you. And oink was taken by the pigs. Uh, Andy Villanueva, Villanueva wants to know, that guy Andy O2, I'm writing my senior thesis on animation television and I'm wondering if you'd be up for an interview. Help a young fan out. Tweet your questions. He will answer them here. Yes. <laughs> you should probably respond to him. On I'll time. respond to him in another, in another way. Uh, James Sigfield, jsig212 James, he's creative, okay. wants to know if there are any games you're currently working on or would like to in the future. There are no superhero games I'm working on, although I am kind of working on some ideas for myself and I'm looking at places where I can take them and pitch them and, and I'm investigating ways to get those games started and out there. I probably will not go the Kickstarter route with this. I probably, I've, I've already had artwork generated and done a ton of writing about this. Next thing I want to do is a game. I'm just looking for a way to present it and, and devote some time to getting it out there. So Nice. Um, and now we're down into Bruno Mars tweets, so I think you answered them all. Oh, okay. Let me see if you had any more during the time that we were asking. Nope. Huh? No questions, just a couple followers, and oh, huh. no, because we started with Tahari's questions, so no, yeah. we're back up at the top. Anybody, That's it. Anybody, any one of us have a question for, uh, for any one of us? I would like to ask all the Twitter people. No, what? <laughs> just kidding. No, I, I don't... I don't have any questions. Oh, okay. I have I have all the answers, dear. You have the answers. No, I don't have anything. No. That's what I have is nothing. Mom's feeling better. Oh, I love that. Do they know what's going on with her? Uh, no, I don't think it's pneumonia. I'm for uh, I mean, unfortunately, fortunately, I I'm, unfortunately I don't know. She what just it has is. a cold. This is a bad cold. She's still recovering from cancer, undergoing chemotherapy. So, fingers crossed uh, yeah. for her. She's tough, broad. I love your mother. Yeah. She is awesome. She's Have you not, guys ever met Paul's mom? Unfortunately not. You never met her? We met her. I think you did meet her, her here at um, a 4th of July party. 4th of July. The 4th of July oh, she made guacamole. That's right. You That's met her. Right. Oh, that was a while ago. Yeah. yeah. That was she about was about three years ago. Yeah, yeah. it's like three yeah. years ago. And she, okay. she made guacamole and just hung out. And she was yeah, so right. it was it was really cool because at the end of the day she said, Your friends are one of the nicest groups of people I have ever met in my life. And she said, it is so nice to see that you guys have this life. Yeah. And how loved you are and how much love flows out of this house. And it is just... Now, that was before some bastard stuck gum underneath the mantle of our fireplace. Didn't we discover that was quick hold, quake hold or something? Or was that... No, the verdict's still out. I mean, oh. it could be either. Because yeah. the only way to know is you either smell it, which I did, and it didn't really smell like much of anything, but it had been there for a good long time, so that's reasonable, and chew it, which I was not about to do. I think it's conceivable that maybe there was an ornament or a decoration up there that was held in place with that. It was under the, the mantle. And when the ornament was taken away, so, you know, whoever pried it up might have put it underneath there. That's not an admission of guilt on my part. Well, no, because you no, because you never clean the decorations up. Uh, no, I don't. That would be me. <laughs> and the likelihood of me putting quake hold underneath the mantle and then blaming someone else for it is unlikely. Maybe it was a cocoon of some sort of creature. Why are you defending the pig? 
because we also found a booger on a picture in the house. Well, that wasn't me. Oh my! Which I'm pretty sure wasn't you. Right. That is disturbing. It was. It, it was. You know, really it was, was probably Pendragon. It was a bad day. Do not blame Jonathan for boogers on paintings publicly <laughs> on a podcast. Well, I'm just saying. He didn't that, put boogers on the paintings. He put chili on the wall. Well, I'm, remember that, that? Well, that that that's the other. You were here for that one too, weren't you? But oh, here, poor Jonathan. Now, is it, now isn't it possible? That that chili on the wall, which was very close to the painting, that might instead of a booger, that might have been chili residue that escaped our no, our, our no, guys. not possible, no. You think I don't know the difference between chili and a booger? Oh, I know you do. Well, then why would you even ask that rhetorical question? I did not see say maybe, booger. Maybe an excitement and astonishment a snot rocket shot out <laughs> and landed who knows where. Blah. No? Okay. Blah. I blame Trisha Lasky. Okay. I'm going to yeah. say she she puts boogers on everything. Good. We got Scott out there and Trisha Lasky. Yeah, and I'm you know, if happy. Renee Geerlings was talking about it, she'd oh. be pronouncing it booger because that's what she does. Yes. She says Baggle. booger and bagger. Yes, yes, she does. Yep. Does she say Hoover for hover? Nope. (laughs) Nope. She just says Booger and Bagel because I'm guessing. And she said, that's, yeah, that's probably why, because it gives her an out, that she probably read them first. Booger and Bagel sounds like a Hanna-Barbera show. Write it up. It never went. Here comes Booger and Bagel. It really kind of does. The two Dalmatian puppies or something. (laughs) Something, you know. I sound like a unicorn and a lion. Like C.S. Lewis style, Booger and Bagel. I mean, it could be anything. I think Joe and and Bill sat around, you know, they they cut the names of animals and took them out of ad. It's like, uh, fairy armadillo and horse. Okay, Booger is a fairy armadillo and Bagel is a horse. Mm-hmm. And uh, we give them pork pie hats and vests, and uh, and they live on bre- yes. and they and they live on breakfast planes. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And shoots and and they ride a snot rocket. There you go. Yeah, there you there go. we go. We're off Yeah. Circle. So what happened with the chili? So that we should tell everybody at home. Because <laughs> Jonathan's gonna be pissed if he hears this, and I don't defend him. Um, I don't know if it's going to make it better if I tell the story, but he, he was here. On our wall. No, he <laughs> threw chili on the wall, not on purpose because he's a bad guest, but uh, rather because someone came in and it startled him and he had a bowl of chili in his hand and he turned around and went, ah, oh! and it flew out of his hand onto the wall. But what really makes the story special is he went, oh, I did that and walked away. <laughs> And his wife, West, said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll get it. And he said, thanks, and went outside. That's what I would have done. Yeah, that is I what think, you do. I think what, that's what everyone should do. <laughs> just, <laughs> just back out of the situation immediately. Look for a large piece of furniture to slide in front of it. Yeah. And then make a, 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 a quick but dignified exit. Pitch and duck. Yeah. That's it. Just pitch it and duck out. Yep. He's such a good guy. I mean, it was just—it was just so funny. It was like, what? What? Get your ass back in here and get a paper towel now. And he did. He cleaned it. Yeah, yeah. It but got, it got whatever. Yeah. It, it got cleaned. Yes, we'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. But he's a good boy. He—he he just did a great week. A really, really, truly, honestly good week. That's what the, I heard at the Magic Castle. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. I actually mm-hmm. took um, a buddy of mine. Well, he's not really a buddy, but he's a—I'm not gonna say this. I actually took a couple people in there to, to go and see him, and he was super gracious mm-hmm. and did a spectacular show. Really great job, really fun, original stuff that, that he's been working on for a while. Great. Yeah, really mm-hmm. interesting, different than anything you see in the close-up room. And he's one of few magicians that works all three rooms at the castle. For those of you who don't know, at the Magic Castle, there are several different areas where you can perform, and there are te- 
technically, you know, really, it could be boiled down, I guess, if you're gonna be really loosey-goosey about it, into three kinds of magic. There's the close-up room, where you see like cards and coins and things on a, on a table. And it's pretty small. There's like 20, it seats just a little over 20. Mm -hmm. And I think with standing room, they can get almost 30 people in there. But it's a nice, intimate, up-close Super intimate, yeah. And you can see, see everything. Yeah. And then there's, uh, well, there's more than three different kinds. But then there's the parlor of prestidigitation, which is stand-up, working out of a briefcase size stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Palace of Mystery, which is where you do like sawing a lady in half type stuff or larger manipulation acts and things like that that you need a stage and lighting for. And then there's also the W.C. Fields Bar where they do bar magic and there's other venues. I prefer but the Peller. You like the Peller? Yeah. because. And I then the Peller downstairs is sort of what they consider their experimental stage. That's where and they you can have... kind of do anything in there. Like it's, it's set up to do just about anything. Large stage illusions, there's not much room for. So there's lots of different performing areas. And Jonathan works every area. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's ever worked the W.C. Fields bar, mm -hmm. but he could. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I think he's, so he's Rob Zabrecki, I think, works all the rooms too. But Jonathan does a different show almost every time he's at the castle. Mm -hmm. A, because he gets bored, and B, because he has such a repertoire. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's, I, I don't think Jonathan's worked the seance room. Excuse me, smell mm -hmm. me. But, but he really does. He's kind of all over the place. He's booked there quite a bit mm -hmm. and does a spectacular job everywhere he is. He's really, I really admire his work. Mm -hmm. I really do. Uh, Have you, you guys seen him perform there? You and Ezra uh, and Emily? Only with you. Ah, oh, that's a that's a drag because he ooh the our show was the only show you saw. Uh, I think that's the worst show he's ever done at the castle. No, like was the one that we did together. No, the show was okay. Yeah, but it it was lacking in a lot of different ways. Like I don't I don't think that either one of us was at our best and brightest in that metaphysics show, because we were just becoming friends again yes. at the inception of the thing. So there was there was not that free and easy friendship that we have now because mm -hmm. um, I've always been kind of like his bratty little sister you know and I, I mean I just am I'm like really you think that's a good idea you're gonna do that and that's that's your big ending and no one talks to him that way but me which is why we're so close but he respects me you know and I totally respect him um, but we have a very free and easy friendship that did not come across in that show and when he's alone he takes his, he shared the stage with me which was very nice of him and atypical for him because he can't help but take it. When mm -hmm. Jonathan takes the stage, he takes it hostage in the best way for the audience. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to think, you're just entertained. He is that charming, charismatic, and engaging on stage. He doesn't just take the stage, like I said, he holds it hostage. And it's great as an audience member because you feel very safe. You're on a journey and you're on a trip and your tour guide is unparalleled. And so I think that to have not seen Jonathan being just Jonathan, I've done you a great disservice. And I would like, he was just there, mm -hmm. um, but the next time he's there, I will make a point to take you guys to see him. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. because you, you really should experience Jonathan being Jonathan. And I think his next, uh, his next room is gonna be the Palace of Mystery again. And that's really where he's a Viking. Mm -hmm. He really does shine on that stage. So I'd like you to see him very much. I'd like, I'd like the world to see Jonathan be Jonathan because he's just so good at, he's so good at being Jonathan, but he's also so good at what he does. He's just a damn good magician and he's really engaging and fun. You know what? You left out a room. Where? Your office. My office? <laughs> yeah, the seance room. I did mention the seance room. You did mention the seance room. Yeah. You remember that part at the top of the podcast where I called you a good listener? <laughs> Are you sure you mentioned the sandwich room? Because we talked. Are you about sure you the... called me a good listener? Because I don't remember hearing that. We, we talked about the palace. The only room he hasn't been in. Yet. I did say the sandwich room, dear. 
Yeah. All right. I did say that. Okay. I said that was the only room I thought he hadn't worked, but that's not to say he couldn't. I did say those words. Uh, oh, I, I, I thought I thought you said the W.C. Fields bar. Was I said the W.C. Fields bar as well, but I did mention the seance room. It's okay. Blimey. It's okay. Okay. Wow. Do you have any more Twitter questions or should we just end this thing? I think we should end. Do you want to look for Twitter questions before we end it? Uh, Ezra, do you have any announcements or anything to stall while Paul looks for Twitter questions? Uh, I can mention that I uh, recently watched the Ricky Jay uh, documentary. Oh, how was it? I heard it was entertaining. Oh, it was? Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. I've always been fascinated with him. Yeah. And I didn't realize that um, I knew him as a magician and then I grew up and then started seeing the David Mamet movies and knew him as an actor and then put the two and two together until I saw the documentary. Are you serious? Yeah. Um, because he used to have the oh. long hair and kind yeah. of hippie, and he threw the cards, and I was like, yeah. oh, oh, Cards as weapons. Guy. Yeah, the, mm -hmm. I knew him very well from that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, Carson appearances. Very fun, and he mm -hmm. had such an amazing history, and uh, just the people that he got to mentor with, and it's fascinating. So it's on Yeah, he's Netflix talking about the now. creme de la creme. Yeah. I walked into Voice Tracks West probably three or four weeks ago, and he was doing voiceover for something, oh, and really? he was kind of waiting in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. And it was a couple days after the Magic for the Blind video with Tommy Edison had come out. Okay. And I was like, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? And Andrew said, I wouldn't. Because Ricky doesn't know me. Yeah. You know, and we were talking about it, but he was so in his own world, like looking at his lines and, you know, being talent about to go take the microphone and mm -hmm. not do yeah. magic to do his thing, that he was not listening to us at all. You know, which is polite. You know, you don't listen to other people's conversations. And I do, but you shouldn't, you know, butt into other people's conversations when you're in public and they're strangers, you know? Yeah. So... Uh, he was very, he was polite and kind of into his own thing. But I was just like, man, I've met Ricky twice, I think. We were introduced by our friend Eddie Gordetsky. Mm -hmm. Okay. And who used to write with him and knows him quite well. And wow. Eddie also used to write for Penn and Teller. Mm -hmm. And right. so I've met him at parties. Mm -hmm. I would not expect him to know who I was mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. And I, but I do know who he is and I certainly respect his work, especially his work with deceptive practices. Did you oh, know? Yeah. Uh, so for those of you at home who don't know, Ricky Jay and Michael Weber, who's another very well-renowned and prolific magician here in L.A., have a company called Deceptive Practices. And what they do is they consult for theatrical shows and movies. And there are lots of consulting. I've done consulting for theatrical shows and stuff, and I'm available to do those things and much cheaper than these guys, but I'm not them. So, um, but anyway, they actually created the wheelchair for Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump. Oh, that is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. They did that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I saw it in some of the documentary stuff on Force Company. I was always interested in that. That was them. Wow. That's your buddy Ricky Jay and Michael Weber. Interesting. Yeah. And they were they were part of a, a old group of magicians. I, I probably shouldn't talk about it. But anyway, they... Yeah. Cool guys. Yeah. Super prolific. Mm -hmm. Really uh, um, interesting pits of knowledge, both of them. They've got, oh, yeah. you know, just a breadth of... Not only work, but also just a, a base of human beings on their team mm -hmm. that is just mind-boggling. You know, from David Mamet to Di Vernon to... Yeah. I mean, they've just studied with the best of the best, and their work is fantastic, both yeah. of them. Michael Weber made the speech. Uh, you've seen him perform. Sure. Michael yeah. Weber is the guy at the Academy of Magical Arts. The Magic Castle, essentially, is the building. But the people in it belong to a club referred to as the Academy of Magical Arts. That's what the Magic Castle Secret Club is called. When mm -hmm. you're a magician member, that's what you're a member of. And um, 
Michael Weber received a fellowship, a creative or performing fellowship. I think it was creative fellowship. Might have been a literary. But they give away an award every year. Three different types of awards. They're called fellowships, and you can get one for creative, performing, or literary. And it's excellence. Uh That's what it is. Michael Weber received one, and I don't know, it could have been for any of the three, because he's good at all three. And his his, uh, very brief acceptance speech said... Ladies and gentlemen, if you will look under your seats, you will see that magicians can still be fooled. Uh, <laughs> it was just a very small portion of his speech, but it was spectacular. Nice. And when I sent him a note and asked him when we were doing the Magic for the Blind, because he had done a show with a guy named Juan in South America that was completely in the dark. And I said, this is what we're doing. This is what we're thinking. Do you have any additional suggestions? Most of the additional suggestions he made involved auditory stuff, which would have made, I think, for a... a different YouTube video than what we had. I don't yeah. think it would have been as good for the sighted. And what we had to do needed to work for sighted as well as for Tommy. So it was a very unique challenge. Um, Michael was very nice and very helpful. But one of the first things I said to him was, I loved your speech. And his response was, oh, good. I'm glad to hear that bad behavior still has a fan base. <laughs> it was a very funny response. I thought he was very funny. And, he, and he's a big Paldini fan. Oh. Interestingly enough, he wrote sure. back and said, I know your husband's work on Batman, and I know Superica and Rashi, he said. Wow. Really? And I said, if you're going to, you know, I mean, why? Yeah. <laughs> why do you know that and yeah. not my straitjacket escape? Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. It was like he had dug up the most archaic, arcane, weird, obscure thing. Not that this is super obscure, but yeah. considering what you and I do... Yeah. And that's yeah. pretty obscure, you I know? I don't consider myself obscure. Yeah, well, I do. I'm all blasted into obscurity. Uh, I'm just sitting here being polite and now I'm being dissed. Yeah, well, guess what? What? That's your job. Well, aren't you upset? Upset about what? He being makes... obscure? I'm my own person. I'm my own entity. I'm a deity. I don't care what Michael Weber thinks. I have self-esteem issues. I was left in a box by a taco stand. No, I got self-esteem issues too. I got a giant rash on my ass and they named me after it. We should move out. We should just move on. See? Oh, um... Let's get out of here. Let's be done. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Radio Rashi. If you've enjoyed this episode, let everyone know by leaving a review in the iTunes store. It's a great way to help others find us. You can also leave comments on RadioRashi.com, Facebook.com forward slash Radio Rashi, or follow us on Twitter at Radio Rashi or at Paul underscore Dini to leave us questions. Thanks for listening, and tell your friends. Radio Rashi.